podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, the 26th of November, brought to you by epindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. That's a virtual privacy network. It allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. So, for example, if you're from the UK, but you live in Spain, you want to watch BBC iPlayer, and it tells you you can't, Liberty Shield VPN will solve that problem. You can get instant downloads from the website onto whatever device you want, multiple devices, and get using it straight away. Watch what you want and keep your data safe with the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. It's libertyshield.com. Use the code EPLPOD, E-P-L-P-O-D, to get 50% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops on Etsy. On the EPL Index shop, use the code EPL25. On the Anfield Index shop, use the code Anfield, no, RED25, R-E-D-25, and you'll get 25% off at checkout. Lots of good potential Christmas gifts for those in your life that like to have football-related merchandise. And that's that, folks. Right, on to the football. I do have Mr. Guy Drinkle here with me today to go through the 10 Premier League games so that I can uh, incorrectly predict them. But before that, I do just want to say congrats to Brentford, who are a club that does everything right. And their decision to roll over their home kit to next season to help fans with the finances of it and not having the pressure to buy the new kit I think that's an outstanding moment especially given this is their first time in the Premier League they really could be rolling out new kits constantly and taking advantage of the fact that they're probably picking up new fans week after week because you know fickle nature people new to the Premier League whatever it may be Brentford's fan base has probably grown not massively but it will have grown this season since coming up into the top league and they could have really hammered that home by releasing you know three new kits again uh for next season they haven't done that they've decided to stick with the same home kit i think it's a good move i wish more clubs would follow suit i think the pressure that's put on parents to buy the new kit year after year is just unfair and the pressure that's put on kids by their peers to have the new kit and not be seen in last year's kit is something that I think can cause serious mental health issues in young people. And, you know, peer pressure is a massive thing. The fear of missing out, the fear of not fitting in play 
a massive part in the well-being of young kids these days. And uh, I think Brentford, it's a small step, but it's a step in the right direction. And like I say, hopefully more and more clubs will follow suit and do the same. But credit to them. Uh, Ralph Ranić set to be Manchester United interim manager. Obviously, that will be announced officially on Monday by the looks of things. He has been given permission to leave Locomotive Moscow. By the sounds of things, they're not all that sad to see him go. So, you know, there's definitely question marks over whether or not this will be a good appointment. He's definitely a good manager. He's not the great manager that people are making him out to be. He's a great thinker. He's a big-time idealist. But he hasn't been a full-time manager in 10 years. He's managed only two seasons in the last decade, both of which he was basically a part-time manager while also being the full-time director of football. Only one of them was in the Bundesliga. He's never really won anything of note. He won the, I think, the League Cup with Schalke, maybe? I think he won the League Cup with Schalke. I could be wrong. could have been Hoffenheim. But Hoffenheim is the spell as a manager that he's most known for, where he took them from the third division into the first division and then had a tantrum over a player being sold and quit. He falls out with people wherever he goes. That's one thing to note. He's highly demanding on his players. He has been overrated because of a an idea that he had. One that he never truly put into practice at a high level himself, it must be noted. He's been credited for the work of others, despite having little or nothing to do with it, such as Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel and Hansi Flick. He's a good manager. He's never been a great manager. And it's been a long time since he was even a manager. I think people need to pump the brakes on the expectations of Ralph Hasenhüttl. He's not going to implement gagging pressing in six months. It took Jurgen Klopp two years to do it at Liverpool in a situation where Klopp was able to come in and remould the club, remould the squad and get buy-in from everybody. Ranić only got six months. And he's got certain big-name, big-money players that do not fit a pressing system at all. Ronaldo, Pogba, Maguire and David De Gea. So expect to see United line up in a mid-to-low block and counter-attack teams. Because that's what he did at Leipzig. That's what he did at Hoffenheim. When the going got tough and the pressing wasn't working, they became a counter-attacking team. Then they would counter-press if the attack broke down. And then they'd fall back into shape if the press didn't work. They weren't a high-octane pressing team the way some people have made them out to be. So keep an eye on what he does. But I would bet against the idea that he's going to go out and play some high-pressing style. Because you can't play a high line with Maguire. You definitely can't play a high line with De Gea. Now, you could bring in Dean Henderson. Then you've got a 300 grand a week goalkeeper sitting on the bench. He could bring in Lindelof. But then you've got your £80 million captain sitting on the bench. Uh, I think Pogba's time at United is probably over. Um, he's not going to fit the style. And obviously, he's had a contract next summer. Martial is one that may also find minutes hard to come by. But I do think Rashford could thrive under him, especially in a counter-attacking style. Same with Sancho. Same with Greenwood. Same with Bruno. The question will be, does he force Cristiano into the team? 
And what kind of negative effect does that have? Big questions for, for, for Ranić. Big questions for United. United fans announcing that he's going to be sporting director off the back of this. Settle down, read what's actually been reported. He's signing a consultancy deal. He has a consultancy company. And that consultancy company will work for United for two years while also working for other clubs. So you're not getting his full and undivided attention. He is not moving upstairs. He will work out of his offices in Germany and advise you on things he thinks you should do, advise you on hirings, on signings. Whether or not your club listens to them remains to be seen. There's been no suggestion that anybody who currently works in the United structure is willing to take outside advice. And as long as Alex Ferguson is still pulling the strings behind the scenes, it's very hard to see Ralph Ranić having the impact you think he's going to have. If he was given the title of sporting director and Ferguson was cleared out and Darren Fletcher was cleared out and your head negotiator and your football director and all of those people went away and you got a competent CEO in above him, then, then you might have a real chance of building something. Though it should be noted, he's never worked at a club the size of United or anywhere close to it. Schalke was his biggest job. He was merely the manager there. The first time he was there, the first season went well. The second season did not go well. They were a disaster in the Champions League. And then he went back to Schalke a second time and it was a disaster. He lasted six months, including the summer break. And had to leave because he was, quote unquote, exhausted. So this idea that he comes in and reshapes clubs, there's no truth to that. He took over a Hoffenheim team as manager and built them from nothing, a Division Three team, to a top flight team. Basically doing what Chris Wilder did at Sheffield uh, United. He went to Leipzig when they were nothing. And he built that club up from the lower leagues into the top flight. Again, this is nothing similar to what's going on at United. He's managed two of the last 10 years as a part-time manager. He's become a better manager in people's opinion of him while not managing than he had attained while he was the manager. He's had very little success other than promotions. He is a promotion specialist. You need your team promoted. Hire Ralph Ranić. That's not really what United want. You need a nothing club shaped into a something club. Hire Ralph Ranić. That's not really what United are. So he's good. He's a good appointment. It's not a home run. It's not a slam dunk. It's none of those things that people say that they don't understand. It's a good appointment. It's better than the likes of a Steve Bruce or a Mark Hughes. But it doesn't mean he'll have a say in hiring the next manager. It doesn't mean he's going to shape the future of your club. It probably means he falls out with everybody. It probably means there's going to be a spectacular falling out with him and at least one player and maybe a public falling out between him and Mino Riola. And there may well be crosswords between him and Ferguson if Ferguson tries to meddle. He'll certainly be better than Ollie. But he's not a better manager than Mourinho. He's not a better manager than Van Hal. 
And I don't think he's a better manager than David Moyes. I think he's as good as Moyes. He's more of an idealist than Moyes. Moyes is a pragmatist, though. This guy's dogmatic. He will stick to what he wants to do, and nothing's going to change his mind. And certain players are in for an uncomfortable time. We'll move on. Uh, I have Guy Drinkle with me. Guy, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm not too bad. We have 10 Premier League games ahead of us, including a bizarre schedule. We do have five on Saturday, five on Sunday. Only three 3 p.m. games on Saturday, four 2 p.m. games on Sunday. And as Guy pointed out before we went live, Manchester City versus West Ham, not on television. Brentford versus Everton. Two teams in abysmal form <laughs> is the game that the television broadcasters thought that's the one for us. Um, before, obviously, the, the well, what, what I think pre season, both Sky and BT were looking at this weekend and thinking, oh, Chelsea United, that'll be a title clash. That's two teams who could be in the mix. But when we get to that game, I think we'll, we'll you know. I think it's it's safe to say if Chelsea don't win that game, it's pretty embarrassing for them at this point. Uh, but where do we start, Guy? We start at Arsenal against Newcastle. And obviously Arsenal off the back of their first loss in, what was it, 10 games, was it? Um, against Newcastle, who looked much improved under, well, I say Eddie Howe, under Eddie Howe via Skype. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what do you make of this? Can they improve Newcastle? take their attacking form into this game? Or is Arsenal's defence go back to what they were before the Liverpool game? I think we see... I think we see Arsenal's defence go back to what it was before. Like the, Look, Newcastle played pretty well last weekend against Brentford. They scored three goals. But some of that was down to Brentford defending really poorly. They're still a really bad team. Like, they're bottom of the league. They drew last weekend and dropped a spot. They are bottom of the league, currently sitting with six points from 12 games. They haven't won yet. Everybody else has won at least one game. And only Burnley have won one. Everybody else has won at least two or more. So it is concerning for them that they haven't won yet. I don't fancy their chances in this game. You look at the injury issues. They've got Fabian Schaar out. I think he's... One of the two better centre-backs. They've got Dwight Gale missing. Not really an issue. And Paul Dummett. Arsenal, though, pretty much at full strength. Granite Jack is out. They're better off without him. Kalasnic is out. Again, they're better off without him. Arsenal at full strength should have, at home, more than enough to beat Newcastle. We don't know yet if Eddie Howe will be there. Or if he'll still be managing via Skype or Zoom or whatever it is I he's doing. I think I saw he tested negative, so I'm guessing he's okay. Then he should be at the game. That should be good then. So that'll be interesting to see how he is in the dugout. Um, whether he can get more out of the players by being there. But I, I do kind of feel like this is a game that Arsenal really should win. Should expect to win pretty comfortably. And um, you know, given they're, they're currently in fifth. They need to prove that they're not a, you know, that it's not a fluke, that they're not there. As I said, when they were on the run, it was a bit of fool's gold. But Newcastle is exactly the team they, the type of team they built that run against. I'd back Arsenal to win this game fairly comfortably. I think Smith Rowe, 
and Saka will cause a really bad Newcastle defence a lot of problems. Newcastle have conceded 27 goals this season, joint worst in the division with Norwich. I don't see that getting better. I think they're going to surpass the 30-goal conceded mark. I'm going to go 4-1 to Arsenal. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, the main question is, that can Arsenal's attack click? Because that's been the problem this season, not not the, the defence. It's Aubameyang and Lacazette not scoring, whereas I feel like Smith-Rowe's pretty much carried the can in terms of goal scoring recently. He has. There's been moments where the attack clicked. Like, it clicked in the first half against Spurs, it clicked against West Ham, and it clicked in the first half against Leicester. But you're right. I mean, against the bad teams, your Watfords, your Norwich, your Burnley, they did struggle to, to create anything. I do think Lacazette has made a big difference since coming back into the team. Not scoring, but his ability to create... Not just chances, but he Link creates point. a lot of space for others as well. Mm. Like he tends to drag, he t- tends to drop into midfield and then drag players into areas that leaves space for a Smith Rowe or a Sackett to move into. And those two, the form they're in, I think they'll just be too much for, for this Newcastle team, to be honest. Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. It's just if they can put the ball in the back of the net. But before Liverpool, it wasn't too much of a problem. So, yeah, I think Arsenal are favourites for that one. Uh, next up, what should be a fun game, is, is Palace against Aston Villa. Um, Villa looked a lot more defensively secure against... Who did they beat last week? Who did Villa beat last Brighton. week? Brighton, that was it. They looked a lot more defensively secure, but question there is, it's Brighton. They don't do goals, but... Um, from watching the match of the day uh, analysis, they talked about how the fullbacks didn't get dragged out in, and get isolated and stuff like that. It, it, do you think that'll be important against Palace, considering they'll have Zaha and um, even says Ezzy's fit here, but I'm guessing it's too soon for him. No, he's back. He was yeah. on the bench was last he? weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't come on, but he was on the bench. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, if this is getting very close to a full-strength Crystal Palace team. James McArthur has been ruled out, which is a bit of a blow because he's important in midfield. Nathan Ferguson is is almost back in training um, with, with the first team. So that's a big plus for them as well. So they're getting everybody back. As he's back, they've got Elise developing and, and looking promising. AU's shown some flashes. Benteke's in good form. Mm-hmm. Zaha looks completely re- re-energized. You've got Gallagher playing out of his skin. Milivojevic is playing well. Koyate is playing well. The defence has been tremendous this season. Uh, the partnership of Gwehi and um, Anderson. Gwehi and Anderson has been excellent. They've conceded 17 goals, but six of them came against Liverpool and Chelsea. They're the only two defeats they've had. And three against Burnley last weekend as well. And three against Burnley in a draw, yeah. So, you know, and that's a fluke result because Burnley won't score three again probably all season. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, Sean Dyche will have been furious that they scored three goals. He'd rather lose 3-2 than than draw three all. Scoring three goals is is absolutely for, you know, French people or something as far as Dyche is concerned. Um the the defense has been really good. I do think they've got a weak point at right back, and I'm not a. I've never been a massive fan of Gaeta. He's a good shot stopper, but I think they could do it an upgrade there as well. But I really like how Palace have played. They're really purposeful, which 
compare that to Brighton, Brighton often have a lot of possession without a real purpose to it. I think that benefited Villa. They did look better defensively, but did they get the one Tyron Mings game out of the next 10 where he didn't do anything stupid? Mm. Potentially. Like you said, the fullbacks didn't get overly committed out of position, but, you know, Matt Target and Matty Cash, there is just that in them where they both like to get forward. And Target doesn't have the pace to get back. They got positional discipline from John McGinn and Marvellous Nakamba in the same game, which probably won't happen again. I think Douglas Louise is back. Douglas Louise should be back for this one, which is a big plus because he's very important to them. Um, Bertrand Traore and Trezeguet both still ruled out. I think this is one of the better games of the weekend. Uh, you know, Vieira and Keane, they had great battles as players. This is the first time they come up against each other as managers. Ger- Gerard. Okay. <laughs> John ja, Vieira and Gerard. Sorry, Vieira and Gerard. No. One one what am I thinking? One what am I thinking? Someday I'm gonna get one of these things right. <laughs> um as I'm riffing along. I, I think this is a fun game. I've picked this in my uh, Premier League preview on the Liberty Shield website. I've picked this as one of my three games to watch this weekend. I do think it'll be good. I'm curious to see what Gerard does with another week of training under his belt. Mm-hmm. Is it the same kind of safe and secure performance that we saw against Brighton? Because to be honest, for probably an hour of that game, Villa looked really poor. Mm-hmm. They had a good first 10 minutes. They were garbage for the next 60. You, and then they kind of grew into it and they got the late goals. You did mention they looked better when they brought on the wingers. Would, would you start El Ghazi and Bailey I over when over Danny Ings. and Danny Ings? I definitely wouldn't start Danny Ings in this game. Mm-hmm. Definitely wouldn't. I think you go Watkins through the middle. I'd maybe go El Ghazi on the right and Bailey on the left, but mm-hmm. Gerard might prefer them inverted, so you might go Bailey on the right. But I do think they look more of a threat. I also think they're going to be counterattacking more in this game because I think they'll be a little bit more comfortable in the shape mm-hmm. and a little bit more willing to you know, try and expand their game but it wouldn't surprise me if Stevie's looking at this game thinking, I'll take a point here. You know, safety first. Yeah. I think he just wants to steady the ship, get a few confidence-boosting results under the don't belt. And they have a hard run, if I remember correctly, don't they? Villa have a really hard run. Yeah, Villa, Villa's yeah. run is not good at all. So, Brighton last week. Brighton are out of form, but it's still a tough game. Palace yeah. this week. Next week, they've got... Um. Manchester City at home. Is that the midweek? Yeah. Mid midweek, yeah, midweek, which is a tough one that they won't fancy at all. Then they get Leicester at home, and then Leicester are out of form as well. But Leicester are a very good team. Then they go to Anfield, so they do have this is this and three more really tough games to come before they get you know a slightly easier one with Norwich away. But that Norwich game, that's Dean Smith who's just been sacked by Villa mm-hmm. and will be incredibly motivated to get a result. Then they get Burnley at home, and Burnley are just always a horrible team to play against. So, yeah, it is, it's a rough old run right up until Christmas for Aston Villa. And then on Boxing Day, they get Chelsea. So Ooh. I don't think too many teams be rushing to swap, swap runs with them. Gerrard's going to need to get some points on the board um, when, if and, as and when he can. This game, the Leicester game, with a two-year probably targeting, and then obviously Burnley as well, mm-hmm. would be one you'd expect to win. 
But Norwich away, I mean, that's that's much tougher game than it would have been two weeks ago. Um, I think the home team wins this game. I think Palace will have enough. A draw wouldn't surprise me. Palace love a draw. Seven of them already this season. Uh, the most in the league. Only Burnley are close. Burnley have six. But I'm going to go with a Palace win. I saw something in them against Wolves that I really liked. And I really like this Palace team, I have to say. I think they're a couple of players away from becoming very, very competitive and potentially a definite top-half team. They've got players in attack who score goals, players in midfield who can create. Ezzy and Olise still to commit to the team. A defender, a right-back a goalkeeper and one more in midfield. And I think this could be maybe the best Palace team ever, ever better than the right and bright team. Um, maybe hyperbole after only 12 games, but I really like what I'm seeing. I'll go Palace 2-1. Yeah, it should be interesting either way. Uh, next up then, Liverpool versus Southampton. The Ralph Ranić inspired managers, obviously. <laughs> um uh, what what do you make of this? I think Liverpool in good form. Uh, well, a couple of good results after the international break, I should say. Um, probably go back to the team that beat Arsenal, you'd expect? Yeah, I think so. I think the only question mark might be left back, but I would stick with Simicus. They'll obviously have the derby on their mind as well, um, which is you know a big game that they'll want revenge in after how the two derbies went last season. But Liverpool at home should have more than enough. Now, they do have some injury issues, obviously. Firmino's out, Gomez is out, Kate is out, Jones is out, and Elliot's out. Southampton, the only one that might have started who will be missing is Stuart Armstrong because Jack Stevens wouldn't start for them. I think Liverpool will have enough. Saints, they're very much a mixed bag. Bad start to the season. Good middle point of what we've had so far. But lost to Norwich last weekend. And I think they're going to lose here as well. I think Liverpool should win this game fairly comfortably. I'll go 3-0 to Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, Southampton can frustrate teams. We've seen it with Man City, but mm. Liverpool have to win this. I mean, we've they've already dropped points recently with the, the West Ham, the Brentfords and Brighton, so they need to win this, especially at home. Yeah, um, Liverpool can't really afford to be dropping points at this point in the season because City and Chelsea just... Are, are eating up the ground. And if Liverpool fall off them, it'll be very hard to, to catch back up. Mm-hmm. Especially so when got... City are playing West Ham, which is a game they could lose in or drop points in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you don't want to end up fourth again. You know, like if, if they mm-hmm. were to lose and West Ham won, Liverpool would be fourth again and potentially have Arsenal breathing down the next again and have to go through the whole big rigmarole no one likes of, that. <laughs> of Arteta is back, you know? Yeah. Um, I will just point out before we move on from this game, Ralph Hasenhutl worked under Ralph Ranić, is known as the Austrian Klopp. He's not known as the Austrian Ranić, he's known as the Austrian Klopp or the Alpine Klopp. So, you know, let's put the respect where it's deserved on El Kloppo. <laughs> Not on Ralph Ranić. Let's move on. Uh, next up then is Norwich against Wolves. Uh, Norwich obviously improved of, of late. Informed Norwich. Informed Norwich, <laughs> you'd say that. Two wins in a row under two different managers. Yeah. Um, but Wolves, I mean, 
you say a, I'd say a slip up against Palace, but you can't really call it a slip up. But the, Watford are just uh, Watford Wolves are just proven to be a really good team. They are, and obviously they beat West Ham last weekend and played quite well. Mm. Um, Jimenez week on week is getting closer to being the Raul Jimenez that we had gotten used to. After a bad start, they've really turned things around. Like you said, they did lose to Palace, but Palace are really good. Mm. And it wasn't really a bad result to lose to Palace. Um, Wolves have just been very, very good of late. And, you know, you, you look back through their season so far, they started with, you know, with multiple straight defeats, but they were competitive. The only team that really beat them badly was Brentford. And it only ended up 2 0, but they just completely dominated them. Uh, before that, they'd beaten Watford. They'd lost to United, but should have won the game. They'd lost to Spurs, but probably deserved at least a draw, if not to win. And they should have beaten Leicester. But once they got that out of their system, they have really got themselves on a bit of a roll. They're playing good football. Bruno Lage has very quickly instilled a a high-tempo passing game. Ruben Neves looks more like Ruben Neves again after probably 18 months of stagnation. He's back to playing absolutely outstanding football. They've still got Pedro Neto to come back in, which is something they can be really excited about. When that'll be, we don't know. And Johnny. Johnny as well. Now, I would say Ryan Nuri has earned that spot, and that should be his. I think he's a wing-back, yeah, probably. But but yeah, Johnny Johnny Otto's a good player. He was really good, but he's... Is it now about 18 months? I think he's two or three big injuries now, isn't he? Yeah, he's had a couple of torn ACLs, I think. Um, Which is just very unfortunate for the lad. Um... Did, did you see this uh, improvement in Wolves? Because, I mean, Bruno Lager, it's someone I think people who do this have probably heard of, but never wa- really watched Benfica. But did, did you expect this? Because it's, it's a weird one, because they were so married to Nuno for a while. Did, did you expect Bruno to come in and, and just pretty much duck to water and improve them tenfold from the boring mess they were last season? No, to be honest, I didn't, because... I was concerned about the lack of defenders to suit because he's a back four manager, not a back three manager. Mm-hmm. But he's come in and he's just adapted to it because he knew he had no choice but to stick with a back three because Cody's a disaster in a three. Willie Bolly's not very good. Roman Says can't really play in a, in a two. Sorry, uh, Cody's a disaster in a two. Mm-hmm. Sice can't play in a two. And he's only got one Max Kilman. Now, maybe he would have looked at Mosquera and Kilman as a partnership potentially. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Semedo seems more comfortable as a wing-back than a full-back. And you've also got Aiden Uri's better as definitely as a wing-back. So it, it made sense to stick with the three. Um, he did brilliant work at Benfica. When he took over from Rui Vittoria, he did really, really good work. It was very, very impressive. And I watched a lot of them because they they had that was the season Joe Felix kind of exploded. So you were just curious to see what this kid was about. So I did watch a lot of them, and they were a lot of fun. Like he had, remember he had Ruben Diaz in that team as well, and we've mm-hmm. seen how well he's done. He's in only forty five. Do, do you think he can get back, get up there? I mean, let's keep it in the Premier League. Could he one day manage one of the big, big four, big six? 
Well, look, I mean, Nuno got a job at one of the big six clubs after... That's not, that's not a good example. <laughs> it, well, no, it, it's not a good example because of how it worked out. But the fact that he was he got the job was was a decent enough sign. True. I mean, um, if Arteta has another bad spell, he, he, maybe not to go from Wolves straight away, but if Arteta has, has another bad spell, say, next season... You could definitely see that happening. Mm. You definitely could see that happening. And as well as that, like... He took over in the summer and has completely changed how they play. That speaks to good coaching that he's been able to implement his style of play really quickly. Um, he's obviously well-schooled defensively. If you look at his early career, he was Carlos Car- Carvajal's uh, assistant. And Carvajal is pr- predominantly uh, a more defensive manager. He was his assistant with Sheffield Wednesday and with Swansea. Then he went to Benfica, but he's been an assistant a long time, mm-hmm. and he was a youth coach for a long time. I think he was like six, seven years in the Benfica academy. So he's got player development, he's got a good defensive base, and he's proven he can very quickly implement his style of play. I I do think Wolves have have stumbled onto something here. Now it's early, so it's small sample. But if he carries this on, if he can get them, if he gets them sixth or seventh this season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get an offer in the summer. Well, and where if, are they now? Sixth for the men, and they've got the best player to come back. Yes. It's very feasible. You just got to survive the Christmas period, you'd think. I don't, like if, if United continue to stumble, we don't know what's going to happen with Ralph. Mm-hmm. If, if Spurs don't get things turned around, we saw what happened to them last night in the Conference League. You know, like there's there is a gap, there is a spot there in in the top six or seven for someone to step into, and why not Wolves? Mm. Why not Wolves? Like why shouldn't it be them? There's a lot of good players there, and like I said, with Neves back playing the way he is, he's one of the best midfielders in the league. Mm. So, I mean, it, it is plausible, even if he gets them eighth, considering how bad they were last season. He spent no money as well. And he spent no money. No money. Like, they brought in Trinkau on loan, and they brought it, they paid for eight Nuri, who they'd had last season. And the young centre-back. Who's in. And the young, yeah, Mosquera. That's it. That's what he's done. And he's, they, they're a different team to watch. You look forward to watching Wolves mm. this season. Couldn't abide watching them last season. They were horrible to watch. I think... I think Wolves have got a really good manager here. The one thing you want to see is you want to see them score more goals. Mm-hmm. But what has Graham Potter done at Brighton that he's not doing at Wolves now? Yeah, very not true. Good to watch, create a lot of chances, solid defensively, limit opponents to low percentage chances, ability to control games against everybody. Like they went out against Leicester, Tottenham. And United, three of the, you know, the big seven, if Leicester want to include themselves in it, two of the teams that finished in the top five the last three years, and just battered them. Mm. Just couldn't finish. Simple as that. And they were his first three games. Like, that's what he started with. He started with a horrible run. Now, it turns out, none of them are very good. Like (laughs) I was going to say, it'll be interesting when they play City, us and Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, that, that's where it'll be interesting. That's we'll see really what the level is. But look, West Ham, four wins in a row, including a win over Liverpool. Yeah, go to Wolves and get deservedly beaten. Mm. So and and had no injury 
excuses. Full strength team, and Wolves beat them without Pedro Neto. So I I do I think this I think maybe Wolves have have hit hit gold here. Um, I, I think he's a really good manager. I was I was excited by the appointment, but obviously there was question marks over the fit with the inability to play his preferred back four. But as we've seen, look, Thomas Tuchel is is winning the league this season. He won the Champions League last season playing a back three. Thomas Tuchel's not a back three manager. Mm-hmm. What he is is a great tactician. And I think Bruno Lage is a really good tactician. I think he gets his message across really well. He speaks very well. I think he's the type who relates to players. That time spent in the academies of a multitude of different clubs, including Benfica, which is one of the biggest academies in the world, and the work he's done at other clubs. I, I think it, it makes him very relatable to players, and he's someone that just gets it. And I think I think if he does well at Wolves this season, I think he'll get an offer. Now, it might not be in England. It could be that he gets an offer from Sevilla if Lupetegui were to leave, or he might yeah. get an, op- an offer from... You know, maybe sporting if um, if they make a change if 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 Amaram um, moves on or whatever it may be, but I think he will get offers if he does well this season, and I think he 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 likely will do well this season because he is a good manager. Like he won the league in the first season he took over. He took over because they were poor. Like, it wasn't like a thing where they were fourth when he took over. It wasn't like he took over a team on the verge of winning the title. They were fourth. And he took over with 19 games left and didn't lose a single game. One draw and 18 wins. Romped to the title. Absolutely outstanding. Scored goals for fun. Didn't concede many at all. The next season, they finished second. And he got fired because they went on one bad run of games. One bad run cost him his job. And it's not like they lost a bunch of games. They lost four out of ten. The problem is that he won two out of ten. And that cost him his job. Like, that's the standard he was held to at Benfica. Realistically, he should still be the Benfica manager. Hmm. And I think they'd be better off if they had him than uh, Jorge Jesus, who, for me, is only in it for the paycheck at this point. Uh, Like, they finished third the season after. They're third right now. And they're not a particularly, you know, a particularly good third. I mean... I know Sporting have improved, but it should always be Porto Benfica. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're only a point off, but at the same time, they're not... you, You watch them play, they're not as good as Sporting. They're not as good as Porto. Um, I I think he's a good manager. I think he'll do really well there, and uh, and I have I definitely I definitely have uh, have hope in him. I have hope that he'll get offers because, like I say, find me what Graham Potter is doing that he's not doing. And I like Graham. I'm a big Graham Potter fan, mm-hmm. and I think they're very similar in the paths that they took. Not being gifted opportunities, had to earn absolutely everything. But I think he's maybe just as good a manager. Word on Dean Smith before we move on? Anything different from the last game? I know you try and watch all the games, but... Yeah, I mean, they looked a bit better defensively. 
they looked a bit more controlled. Um, Gilmore they, was an eight as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it did just give them the element of being able to retain possession. I thought it was interesting the way he set the attack up with Rashika and Cantwell either side of the striker. Uh, Cantwell's a, a big plus for them when he's playing well. Didn't but he Rashica, got subbed off early? Didn't he? Is that because he was tired or was I think he's just no. I think I thought he was. I he looked rusty because mm. he hasn't barely played this season. But I I thought he had moments where he looked like you know he was doing good things. I think he's an intelligent player who gets what Smith wants. I think the the Rashika Max Aaron's avenue down the right is something they're really going to lean into. So expect to see lots of those two combining. A bit like how Buendia and Aaron's used to mm. back in the day when they came up the first time. I, I Look, Dean Smith's a good manager, but it was the right time for Villa to move on from from him. Whether he liked it or not, it was the right time. You know, simple as that. This is a new challenge for him. If they go down, I think he's the perfect manager for them. But if he keeps them up this season, that will be a huge, huge achievement. Instant and manager has, of the season. <laughs> if, he, if he keeps them up, he, no, 100%. If he keeps them up, he is manager of the season. There's no doubt. Sack and they, the manager of the season. That, is a, that would be impressive. <laughs> but they look dead and buried. Now, I, I know they won the game under Thomas Frank before Frank got sacked. Daniel Farker. That's Daniel Farker. Thomas Frank's at Brentford. And it was Brentford that Norwich beat, wasn't it? Yes. Um. I, yeah, under Daniel Farker, they won that last game, but they did look dead and buried. Like, nobody thought they were going to stay up. And uh, if he keeps them up, and he did kept Villa up against all odds a couple of years ago. Now, he needed a bit of help of uh, Hawkeye, but if he keeps them up, and they, they're willing to build, and we've seen this week, Stuart Webber has signed a new rolling contract then... Well, then we'll see. I think if they go down, he's he's definitely the right fit. If they go down, he's definitely the right guy to bring them back up. Um, what he is as a Premier League manager, I'm still not sure. But he's a good manager. And uh, they definitely look more controlled and more solid than they had done under Farka. Less... Less chaotic shall we say. Like, there was times under Farker where they just looked very much like they were a bit too gung-ho, and that wasn't the case against Smith. And he'll have more and more time now to work with these players with each passing week. And I, I think he'll do... He'll make a good fist of it. They'll be... I picked them to stay up at the start of the season, remember? Mm. I thought they'd stay up and Brentford would go down. Now, Brentford have lost four or five, and, and maybe they will end up going down. And maybe Norwich will end up staying up, but I, there's a better team at Norwich than what we saw in the first 10 games or so. There absolutely is a better team than what we saw in those games. There's a lot of good players there. And once Smith gets everybody back and has a full complement at his disposal, I think we'll start to see that there's good footballers there. I mean, this weekend, he's only really missing Zimmerman and Sam Byram. And Byram definitely wouldn't start. Zimmerman might, but you don't know. Uh, everybody else is back. He's got Ozan Kabak back as well, which is a big plus in defence. Certainly better than Grant Hanley. Now, I know Hanley scored and is the club captain, but you'd hope that Dean Smith will be ruthless with some of these players and, and not just stick with them because 
Well, to the captain. Prediction for this one? Oh, a Wolves win. Um, I would be fairly confident in Wolves this weekend, to be honest. I'll go... I'll go 2-1, given it's at Carroll Road. 2-1 to Wolves. Yeah, it should be... I won't say tight, but cagey, probably. Cagey's a good word for this one. Norwich, the, the mission for Norwich right now is just pick up points. Mm-hmm. And Dean Smith would happily take drawing the next 10 games in a row if you gave it to him. He'll be setting the team out not to lose. One of his favorite sayings is if you keep a clean sheet, you're guaranteed a point. So he will set them up to be solid defensively, not to be loose in possession, not to make mistakes, not to overcommit going forward. And he'll rely on the front three and maybe one or two support runners. One been Max Ahrens, the other one potentially being a midfielder. But he'll want to keep three at the back. You mm-hmm. saw Brandon Williams play left back last week and played very defensively. Wasn't bombing forward and overlapping, which is kind of why I think Cantwell struggled at times to influence the game because he didn't have the support. Kenny McLean is predominantly more defensive. Um, Matthias Norman is defensive. Now, they're both good passers and they can both offer something. But, you know, Gilmore was stepping forward a bit more, joining the front three, and then Aaron's on the overlap. And the other five just kind of stayed at home. And they played that, you know, five and five football. And it, it was effective for them. They deserve to beat Southampton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll speak. Speed through a couple. Obviously, we've got the break as well. But we'll do Brighton leads. Um, should be an interesting game, but it's Brighton not in winning form. Obviously, lost two in the last five, but still difficult to beat, but not picking up the wins there were earlier in the season. And Leeds, mixed form, but not where they expected to be. Still 17th. Looks like Rafinha's back, which is the biggest question mark with them. Um, but... Uh, Bamford's not back yet, so that's no goals in the team, or certainly no Rafinha, <laughs> no other goals than Rafinha in the team. Um, yeah, they might have Luke Ailing back, which I'm not a huge fan, but I think he at least gives them some sort of outlet down the right, so that does help. He's got a good chemistry with Rafinha. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo was back as well, so that's a plus. But the lack of Bamford really is the thing here. Now, you've got two very different approaches to the game in the control that Graham Potter wants and the chaos that Bielsa wants. So this could be an interesting game. Um, Brighton, Noel Zate, Noel Beck, Robert Sanchez back. Don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but he can't be worse than Jason Steele, <laughs> uh, who, you know, I mean, there's a reason the guy was in the lower leagues for a decade. Um, Enoch Mwepu, is is fit again. I don't really know what to make of this game, to be honest. Brighton are in really bad form, and their performances just haven't been good. Now, they got a draw against Liverpool, and that was a good result for them, but they're winless in five. Leeds, at least, have won one of the last five, but they've been poor all season. Smells of draw, this. It does stink of a draw. Neither team can score a goal. They've the only team who scored less goals, sorry, there's two teams who scored less goals than these two this season. 
One is Southampton, who had a dreadful start, and one is Norwich, who also had a dreadful start. These two average a goal a game each, so I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Yeah, okay, it's probably what I'd go with as well. Um, That is it for this half. We'll do the next five after this ad break. Right, welcome back. We are motoring through, well, kind of motoring, through our uh, ten Premier League games. We've got five done, five more to go. We are moving on to the Sunday games. Can I just once again re-emphasize how badly the powers that be have done at picking the games to be on television this week? Arsenal versus an awful Newcastle team. Out of form Brighton versus a bad Leeds team. Out of form Brentford versus an out of form Everton team. Like three of the four TV spots this weekend are taken up with what probably won't be great games. And then the other one is Chelsea versus United, which could also be a train wreck. So, you know, well done. There were good games on this weekend. You haven't really picked any of them. Yes. What have we got then? <laughs> this next one seems the worst of the lot as well, because saying Brentford. Terrible form, and Everton just all their good players are injured apart from Allen. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically. Yeah, it. I mean, Everton's injury list for this weekend is just staggering. Calvert Lewin injured, Yerry Mina injured, Mason Holgate suspended, Richarlison suspended, oh, Decore injured, Demari Gray injured, Alan. Oh no, a doubt. <laughs> late fitness test. Tom Davies injured, Andre Gomes injured. They want him like, sacked. If Alan oh doesn't God. pass his fitness test, I don't know who plays in midfield for them. Gabaman and Delph, maybe? That's not pretty. Oh, no. And who's up front? You've got Rondon. <laughs> Andros Townsend, Rondon, and what? Anthony Gordon. Like, Young Gordon will be one, and then I don't even know what else. Maybe he goes with a back three, and just he can't because he doesn't have enough. He doesn't have anything. There's no options here for Benitez. Thing is, this is not this bad, but he's at least had four or five starters out all season. Uh, well, not all season since since the good. They start. had the good start, and then everybody got hurt. And the thing is, they've got Liverpool in midweek now. They will have. Richarlison back for that one. But no one else is expected back other than Alan. No one else is expected back for that game to start anyway. Damari mm. Gray and Dakure might be available for the bench, but they're not expected to be ready to start. They're going to get walloped in midweek. Um, and this isn't a promising one for them either. Now, Brentford not without their own problems. Uh, Sorensen's a doubt. Wissa's back. That's big. Zanka is still out. Jensen's back, so that's big. Um, David Rea is out. Ayer is still out. De Silva is still out. And Janvier, who I don't know. I don't think he's played all season. I've never heard of that person. He's out. But Matthias Janssen, I mean, he, the guy hasn't played all season, but it, it, you know, it could be beneficial to have him back. They've got problems as well. Neither team playing well. Brentford, four defeats and a draw in their last five. Everton, four defeats and a draw in their last five. They can't both lose. Brentford but whatever have to injuries, win. Come on. I, I'm hesitant to say a, a, Brent, a draw here 
because Everton have so many injuries. I'm going to go with a Brentford win here. I'm going to go 1-0 to Brentford in a turgid game. Oh, dear. If Brentford don't win, they're in a relegation battle. That Everton team will be a disgrace. Yeah. That Everton team is going to be a championship quality team. And if Brentford don't win, they should just pack their stuff and head on back down. No, I think think Brentford will win the game. I think Brentford will have more of their first 11 on the pitch, and that does matter. And Yanult is, is finally fully fit again, which is big. They've still got Tony. They've still got Mbuomo. Wissa coming back gives them a really nice option, either as a starter or a bench option. I'll go with a Brentford 1-0. Yeah, they, if they don't, it, it's some match-fixing stuff there, I'm afraid. Do not watch this game. <laughs> Find any of the other three on a stream or whatever. Watch, go and put clothes in your washing machine. And watch the entire cycle rather than watching this watching this filth. Um this is not a game to watch. Yeah, maybe this one the next one might be in the same category here. Burnley against Spurs. I... Christ, but I think Burnley are the favourites for this. <laughs> um <laughs> I we well, we you didn't mention it at the start, you mentioned it in passing earlier on, but Spurs lost to I can't remember the team's name, a Slovenian team last night. And it wasn't exactly a team full of children either. It was basically the first team minus a handful. So, yeah, so just just to give people an idea of the Spurs team last night. So Galena started, so he wouldn't start. But they had Tanganga, who has been starting, Roden, Davinson Sanchez. Now, he did change the wing-backs. Doherty and Sessegnon started. Sessegnon got sent off. Ollie Skip, who has been starting, played. And Dumbele, he played, he wasn't good. Brian Hill played, he wasn't good. Deli Ali played, he was awful. And Harry Kane played up front. Now, Harry Kane did score, and they got beaten by a late goal. So they had come back to get a draw, but it was ugly. It was ugly. They just, they looked really disjointed. Like, I mean, he brought on Heusberg, Son, Eric Dyer, Mora, and Ben Davies. Not sure why he brought on Eric Dyer, but he did. By all but accounts, Davinson Sanchez was dreadful, but he, he, wasn't know, he stayed on, didn't he? So he did. He wasn't sense. great. Roden got taken off. He wasn't good either. They were they were just horrible on the night, mm. absolutely horrible. And I would imagine, I would imagine he let them know all about it after the game. Well, he said it in public, didn't he? he, said, he yeah, he said they weren't good enough. He said he, he, he now understands how bad the job is. <laughs> um, now look, in the league, they won last time out. They did beat Leeds. And, look, Kane scoring is at least a promising sign, even though he was fairly poor. Burnley scored three last week, so you don't expect them to score again anytime soon. At least three um, weeks. <laughs> One a week. They scored 14 <laughs> goals already this season. That's, that's is that good more than, for Is Burnley. that more than United? Uh, no, but it's not too far off. Uh, they have a better defensive record than United, though they've conceded 20. United have conceded They've scored 20. more than Arsenal. They have scored more than Arsenal. They've scored more than Wolves, more than Tottenham, more than Brighton, uh, more than Southampton, more than Leeds, more than Norwich. Yeah, Burnley, mid-table attack, as you want. Um, Oh, this is going to be an ugly game. I I feel like Spurs should win the game because they've got better players. But... That's Conte blinding you there. Burnley are winning this game. Burnley are probably winning this game. Is... 
They probably are winning this game. I'm going to go with... Is Romero uh, available? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, no, he's he not. Doesn't. He's not either, is he? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, he's injured. Uh, Eric Dye is our best centre-back. And Conte said, I think his injury is a bit serious. So that's... that's oh, no. uh, Yeah, that's a worry. Uh, LaCelso, he's out. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, Burnley... Now, Burnley have no Tarkovsky and no Ashley Westwood. So that's their central defence and midfield. <laughs> They've still got Chris Wood against Davinson Sanchez or Ben Davies. <laughs> or Eric Dyer. And, he, he, uh, he's and apparently, he's seemingly the good one, so I don't yeah, mind. No, no, no. There's no seemingly if he's garbage. <laughs> Um, it, there, there'll be no, there'll be no Eric Dyer praise. I'm not praising him. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just saying. There'll be no even suggestions that he's anything other than what his last name suggests. I'm going to go for the draw here. The, uh, the Tarkovsky thing has swayed me. Um, Chris Wood's getting a hat trick. I'm going shush now. He probably will. He probably will. Um, no, you know what? I'm going to go with the Burnley win. Max Cornett's going to have an absolute field day <laughs> against this lot. I'll go 2-1 Burnley. Oh, that's terrifying. I already feel sorry for Conte. Anywho, he should have waited. He should have waited. Well, he, he might become his own Watford. He might just quit and go <laughs> do something else. Just, just quit before uh, Ranić at United. He'll be fine. Oh, right. Leicester Watford. Ugh. I'm... Yeah, this is not pretty either. I mean, Leicester are in bad form. They've lost two of their last three uh, and a draw in between. They've only won four games all season. Negative five goal differential. Worst defensive record than Villa, Watford, Leeds and Burnley, who've all been terrible this That's season. Impressive, huh? uh, only scored the 16 goals, which is the same as Aston Villa. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, the same as... Yeah, the same as Aston Villa, the same as Watford. And the same as Everton, all of whom have been fairly trash. Who haven't had a striker in three months. Uh, It's just not good. It's just not good. So no Fafana, no Tielemans, uh, no Ricardo Pereira. He's out for a while. Johnny Evans got hurt in the warm-up yesterday. And James Justin is not back yet from his ACL tear. So this is not good. Watford's injuries are not good either. So you've got a Tebow out. That's a blow. Cabaselli out, not a blow. Seema out. Ishmael Assar out. Well, that's a big blow. Kuka suspended. He might be back. I think he missed the last one. Oh, he, he is back. He did. He missed the United game. Uh, Quadro Bar and Kulu out has been a big one. That He was good against Siri, United. Siri Alto's out as well, so that's probably yeah, that's two starting centre-backs, isn't it? That probably is their best two centre-backs, which, I mean, it, it, you know, that, that's not... Not saying much, but you know, and Cabaselli's probably their fourth centre back. So, yeah. thing, great cat riding to the rescue. <laughs> have no fear. The only the thing with Watford, even without the injuries, they don't really do two good results in a row. No, no, they don't. I mean, they they probably used up all the luck that they have in the world. But even without Sar, they've still got pretty good attacking options. Emmanuel Dennis has been excellent, hasn't he? Dennis has been really good. I thought. Joe Pedro looked good when he came on. Mm, Hernandez. Josh King has been surprisingly yeah. good. Cuco uh, Hernandez has been pretty good. So they've still got a decent attack, and Leicester have a woeful defence. Mm. Funny thing about Josh King, if he stayed at Everton, I think Rafa would have loved him. A hundred percent he would have. A hundred percent. I don't understand why they let him go. Like, I know they paid peanuts to get him. 
But why would you have him in the door and not keep him? Mm. Why would you buy a player and only give him a six-month contract? Such a stupid thing for Everton to have done. He'd be starting for Everton now. And he'd be better than Rondon, who can't run anymore. Mm. Um, This game strikes me as bad but entertaining. Because neither team can really defend. Both teams' strength is their attack. I'm going to say Leicester win 3-2. Yeah, if there's not goals in this one, then football just doesn't make sense to anyone anymore. Mm. Um, Man City-West Ham, probably the Best game on paper, you'd say. I mean, Man City in good form, good, uh, great result midweek. Um, and West Ham, they won yesterday. I want to say. Um, I don't do Europa League. Who does? Um, but yeah, West Ham, good team. Obviously, lost to Wolves last time in the uh, Premier League. But they've always shown that in big games, they are very difficult to play against. And I'm pretty sure I remember Antonio giving them a lot of problems in past games. Uh, yeah, Agbana's the only player missing for the season, or missing for West Ham. He's out for the season. But like you say, Antonio, he has had joy against City in the past. And City are without some players. Ferran Torres out for a while. Grealish out. Now, that's not a blow. He's been bad this season, and they're better without him. KDB is still out with the COVID. Uh, Phil Foden's a doubt. That's a big one because he's super important to them. Uh, Liam Delap out and the other fellas suspended and we won't talk about him. Um, City are City are an odd team. They they have spells of looking brilliant and then they can just look terrible. But they, they were, did really well in midweek to come back and get the win over PSG. They've won back-to-back games in the Premier League and looked good doing it. They're back to playing the style that they played last year with all that movement and interplay. Sterling scored a great goal last weekend and hopefully he can build on that and find his confidence. He scored midweek as well, didn't he? He did. Did he score midweek? I'm pretty he did was, score midweek. It was him and Jeebus, wasn't it? Him and, him and the baby Jeebus. Um, West Ham were in great form. Beat Liverpool... Lost to Wolves, and I think they're going to lose again here, but I think they're going to give City a really tough game. I don't think this will be an easy one at all. I think you're going to see two good teams, two top four teams at the moment, and deserve it. West Ham deserve to be top four. Absolutely. They've absolutely been the, the fourth best team in the league this season. They're not on the level of Chelsea, City, or Liverpool. I think United and Tottenham have better squads, but... They have been really well managed. Certainly a better manager than United. A better manager than than Spurs had until they appointed Conte. The players are all playing for the manager. They have a set way of playing. They know what they're expected to do. There seems to be a really good morale around the place. Good confidence. What would you say is more likely for West Ham? Winning the Europa League or getting top four? Winning the Europa League. I don't think they can get top four over the course of the season. I could be wrong, but I do just look at Antonio's history of injury. Tells me that at some point he's going to miss four or five games. And now you add in the fact that he's playing international football and he's going to have to travel back and forth to Jamaica, you know, come the second half of the season. I do think he could miss a significant period. Now, 
they do have January, obviously, to go out and get another striker in. And they've now got new investments, so maybe yeah. there'll be some money spent. The Ogbonna one is a big blow because he was the organiser at the back. And I think him and Zuma had very quickly developed a good pairing. Any Czech forwards and centre-backs? <laughs> Patrick Schick and someone? Patrick, it wouldn't even wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if Patrick Schick ended up Where there. Where is Patrick Schick? Is he... Bayer Leverkusen, I think. Ah, yeah. That sounds, um, that sounds right. Adam Hlasek's the one they've been linked recently, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went and got Patrick Schick. Um, I, think th- I think City will win this game, but I do think it's going to be a very, very tough game. Bernardo Silva, Rodri and Canseo, the way they're playing, and Gundogan's come back in now, and he's playing mm-hmm. really well. If Foden is fit, and if Sterling or Jesus is on form, I think they've got enough to beat West Ham. So I think it's going to be a fun game. We can't see I Well, I can't see it, so I won't care. <laughs> West Ham will cause them trouble, though, on mm-hmm. the counter. Antonio will cause those centre-backs problems. But I think in the end, City's quality will will tell. I'll go three one to City. Yeah, I would have enjoyed watching that if Sky weren't daft. Um, but anywho, next up and last game is Chelsea against Man United. Uh, before we get into the the game, I mean, we do have to talk about injuries because that is a big part of this uh, this match. We'll start with Chelsea. Mm. Kai Havertz, Angola Kante, Kovacic, and Ben Chilwell all out. Uh, the first two are late fitness tests, but yeah, you probably won't rush them back for this. And United have a long one. Uh, Varane out, Cavani out, Greenwood, Maguire, Shaw. Who's Federico Rodriguez? Sam? Is that Fred? Fred. Fred, yeah. Fred, yeah. Of course it's Fred. And, so and, Fred. Yeah, Fred's a doubt, but the rest are all out. Yeah, and Pogba out for Fred. pretty much a season as well. Yeah. So that's a, um, that's a, a lot. A lot of it. Now, Luke Shaw is an interesting one because he keeps getting these head injuries. Mm. Um, he's had This is the third one this season. So you'd wonder if that's one injury that's lingering and they just haven't treated it properly or given them the correct break. Um, no Greenwood, no Cavani. That means probably Sancho Rashford, one side, Sancho. Rashford the other, Bruno behind Cristiano. No Fred... If, if assuming he is out, uh, twisted his ankle. Matic. No Fred means Matic and McTominay, which isn't pretty. Um, defensively, Tellez comes in at left back, I assume, and Bailly and Lindelof would be the centre back. Mm, it's yeah. not a bad team. You'd, you'd want something better in midfield, but it's not a bad team. But like you look at at Chelsea, no Havertz, but Lukaku's back. So that's that problem solved. Now they've been better with Kai than they were with Lukaku, but still, they've also got Pulisic played there midweek and looked really good, so they could do that either. I think no I think Lukaku would look better with Pulisic and maybe Ziyech next to him though. Possibly, yeah, or even Pulisic and uh, Hudson Odoi. Yeah, yeah, played two pacey wingers. Mm. I think he struggled a little bit with with Mason Mount. Mm. Um. He might look better with Mount behind him and Havertz in a 3-4-1-2 rather than the 3-4-2-1 that Tuchel has played. But we'll we'll see what he if he makes a change. Tuchel's incredibly smart, so you'd imagine he will find a way to make Lukaku work. 
Uh, no Kante, that's a blow. But Loftus-Cheek is playing really well. They do still have Saul, who they can bring in. Kovacic is a blow. He was really good for them at the start of the season, but he's been out for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, so I would I would say Luka, uh, Loftus-Cheek probably starts in midfield. Alonso's a wing-back's fine as well. Alonso yeah. comes in for Chilwell. Now, the Chilwell one is interesting. A partial tear of the ACL, but the decision has been made to treat it conservatively, so to see if it heals by itself. They're going to wait six weeks and then make a decision as to whether to give, have surgery. I suppose if he, if he's out for all the season anyway... It, yeah, it doesn't do really matter. Yeah. But you are still putting him back six weeks. Like, if he had the surgery now, he'd be ready for the start of next season. If he has it in six weeks, he might not be ready for the start of next season. Do you know? Depending on how quickly he heals. Um, Alonso will be fine. They've they've got a couple of other options they can use there, if need be. They can put Saul there. They, they've probably got a couple of academy kids they can bring through. They've certainly got 500 right backs they could you know move across. Um, if Chelsea don't win this game, it's going to be pretty embarrassing for them, considering what a train wreck United have been in the Premier League this season, and particularly of late. You know, walloped by Liverpool, walloped by City. They they did beat Spurs, you know. Credit to Spurs, kept Ollie at the wheel. But what Watford did to them last week was embarrassing. I mean, Watford should have beaten them by six or seven. Watford. Yeah. Not even someone good. Watford, who, with the greatest of respect, are just not a good team. They're not a good football team. They've got some good players, but they're badly managed. They're badly owned. And the squad is completely unbalanced. Really good players in attack. Lads that I think you'd struggle to give away in the championship at the back. Um, I do like Ben Foster, to be fair. I've always been a Ben Foster fan, but he does play behind certain fellas that are well out of their depth at the Premier League level. I, I'm going to go and say that United lose this game. Um, and I think, they, I think they could lose it quite heavily, to be honest. Like... Lukaku if Lukaku Lukaku is going to be if he starts he's super motivated for this game, given how things ended at United and things that were said about him, I think he's going to want to come out and tear them apart. I think Chelsea have been brilliant defensively this year, and if Cristiano's just going to do the thing where he stands around and doesn't run, United are playing with ten men from the off, and you can't do that against this Chelsea team. They're too clever. They'll expose you too often. They'll pull other players out of position to cover for his lack of running, and they'll expose United. I'm going to go 3-0 Chelsea. I mean, if Carrick wins, surely he gets the job. Yeah, Carrick's at the wheel. <laughs> um, now, see, the, the thing as well is, like, he might be a little bit put out by the fact that he's not been given the opportunity to earn the job. You know, when, when they gave it Giggsy till end of the season, he got it till the end of the season. He got four months or whatever it was. Does Carrick um, have the badges to do it till the end of the season? That's I think it. Michael Carrick has his pro license, doesn't he? I'm sure uh, I saw he doesn't have the badges for it. Carrick pro license. But I mean, he gets to learn under Ranjik, I think. I'm yeah, sure no, Michael Carrick has his full license. Okay. 
Yeah, he's got his pro. He's got I might, his pro I might have been thinking that Ronaldo thing that you said the other day. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, Cristiano doesn't yeah. have his. Uh, well, doesn't have any badges because yeah. he's no interest in being. A I'm going to say uh, he's the least coach player I've ever seen in the world. <laughs> like that's yeah. the that fella. Like I, I get you've got a YouTube show and you're trying to get list, like you're trying to get people to watch it, but Jesus wept. You're 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 basically building yourself a reputation as a crank, like to spout an absolute nonsense. Another fella on Twitter now saw him today. He's he's based in Colombia. He follows two accounts, Cristiano and Manchester United. That's who he follows, nobody else. He's got 11,000 followers, and he spouts absolute garbage. And in a couple of days following his account, I've seen him delete four tweets already, but he is adamant that Zidane accepted the United job. <laughs> adamant. <laughs> when he's turned it down multiple times. Laughable. Laughable stuff. But yeah, I'll go 3-0 United, and I think... I think it could be a fairly ugly game for them. I think Ranić's going to have a, a hell of a time trying to get this group in order um, before the end of the season. I really do. He's got to get it done quickly because if he doesn't, their season's done and dusted. Like if they're still a mess by Christmas, it's very hard to see him turning things around in the second half of the year. Um, that's it then. That is our ten games. Just very quickly before we go, uh, tomorrow marks 10 years since the death of Gary Speed. Um, Gary Speed was always one of my favourite Premier League players when I was younger. Played for Leeds, played for Newcastle, played for Everton. Outstanding player. Was showing signs of being a good manager and unfortunately took his own life 10 years ago tomorrow. Don't really know why. Uh, but obviously he had some some demons that were living with him. So if you are living with demons, if you are having problems, if you feel like there's nobody to talk to, there is always somebody to talk to. Always somebody to talk to. Be it on social media, just tweet, I'm not having a good time. I need someone to talk to. I guarantee you thousands, thousands of people will come and say hello, will be there for you to talk to. Whether you know them or not, and probably better if you don't, you might feel more comfortable. There are organizations you can ring to speak to people. Do not struggle alone. Do not struggle in darkness. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel. It might just be round a couple of twists and turns so you can't see it. But there's always a light there. And there's always someone out there ready and willing to talk to you, no matter what time of the day or night it is. So don't struggle alone, folks. We don't want to see more and more people ending up like that. Um, going to wrap up with the gossip to finish on a high note for something to laugh at. There might be some Spoofrizio Romano stuff in here that'll give me a chuckle. Uh, Manchester City will step up their, ever, their efforts to secure Raheem Sterling on a long-term contract. There doesn't seem to have been any efforts so far, but okay. Manchester United have joined the clubs, including Tottenham and Newcastle, wanting to sign Dusan Vlahovic. It's from the mail, which means it's some 18 or 19-year-old intern making things up to fill column inches. PSG held talks with Zinedine Zidane. No, they didn't. That's a lie. Ralph Ranić initially rejected an offer with United before agreeing to new terms. 
because he wanted his two years. So he turned down the chance to just take over as interim manager because he was leaving basically a two and a half year contract remaining at Locomotive Moscow. It's how he secured two years for his uh, consultancy or whatever it is he's going to do. United still want Pochettino to take over as manager next summer. So Ranić better not instill too much of what he does because Poch, well, he plays a different style of football. Alexander uh, Alexander Zinchenko of Manchester City is on Newcastle's list of January targets. Now, I do like him, but I would guess this is probably nonsense. Uh, given the source, it's not Craig Hope, so I would guess nonsense. Uh, Lazio midfielder Sergei Milinkovic-Savic is a target for Manchester United. He was linked years ago. This is just a regurgitation of that. Chelsea have made a breakthrough in contract talks with Andreas Christensen. This is according to Football Insider, who has about as much inside information about this as he does about buttons. Um, Barcelona are looking at making a move for Baal striker Arthur Cabral, but will have to sell some players before making the move. Um so he has been there since 2019. He has scored pretty consistently on his in his first season there where he was on loan, he got 18 and 39. Last season he got 20 and 36. This season 22 and 20. Bit of a breakout year. He is only 23. So yeah, he's probably not long for the Swiss league, but um can't imagine he's going to cost too much. Croatia winger Ivan Perisic's contract at Manchester, oh, sorry, at Manchester United, into Milan runs out in 2022. And the 32 year old says, everything is possible. We will see in a couple of weeks. Inter would be mad to let him leave. He's a really important player for them. Uh, Inter are also hopeful that Marcelo Brozovic will sign a new contract with his deal set to run out in the summer. Get both of them signed and sealed and delivered. Uh, Stefano Pioli will sign a new contract for a further two years on Friday. Um, yeah, I mean, he's done really well. There was talk he was going to lose his job when Ranić was seemingly set to take over, but they stuck with him, and he has done very, very well. Uh, it has been announced today. So, yeah, Milan have made it official. He has signed a new deal until 2023. So it's actually only a one-year deal, not a two-year deal. Um... Milan going year to year, probably on the off chance that Pep Guardiola would consider them when he's ready to leave Manchester City. That would be my guess. Italy is the place that makes sense for Pep to go next. He's conquered Spain, he's conquered uh, Germany, he's conquered England. It makes sense for him to go to Italy. And while Juventus have long wanted him, I think Milan might be more appealing to him. Um... I don't see him going to France. I don't think he'd like to manage PSG, but you never know. He might end up there eventually. But yeah, that is us, that is us for the week. Take care of yourselves, folks. Enjoy the weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.